So family, I, um, I at times, I am a dude that uh, I can sometimes get a little frustrated when I'm in line. Especially when I'm in a line that's supposed to be fast. Like fast food, like isn't inherent in the word fast food that you're supposed to be moving fast. And I'm just telling you, I, I can sometimes get a little frustrated when I'm in a line and it's taking forever. But when I flip it the other way and I'm going to meet some of my friends and we're going to kick it and they're saying, Leon, will be here at 10. I sometimes can arrive at 10, 15, 10, 20. And y'all shouldn't have a problem with it because you're my friends. So that time thing doesn't really apply to me because, like, we friends, we're in relationship. I, I think that at times that same perspective can be the way that we approach the Bible. We can look at the Bible and say, man, you know what? This directly applies. Or we can write it off because we think, oh, that's so far from who I am. This passage doesn't mean much for me. I think specifically that happens when we look at the Pharisees in the Bible. These people that were uber saints. They, they wanted to be the best of the best. They said that when it comes to worshiping, we are the best. And which of us would say that that's our pedigree? But I do believe that God has, has the Pharisees there for a reason. To remind us of our Pharisaical tendencies. Maybe not that we're Pharisees today. I wouldn't say that of any of you in this room. But we can be prone to some of the temptations that the Pharisees wrestled with. Would you please turn to Luke 14. And we're going to go through verses 12 and 14 today. Luke 14. And if you need Bibles, please raise your hand. We are a... Uh, a Bible reading people. So uh, some of the homies in the back will bring some Bibles out and, uh, and, and bless you. So please keep your hand up and they'll, uh, they'll bring it on around. Now, now, we left off with these verses last week. And so I want to, I want to unpack them a bit this week. Because we really didn't spend time doing that. And uh, some of you guys might have seen, um, seen the movie The Avengers these past couple weeks. I went there and uh, one of the lines in The Avengers, and I'm not going to give away the whole movie, so don't worry. If you haven't seen it, don't worry. This isn't even the climax. But, but, but a brother is laying on the ground. He's got a gun. And he says to the ultimate villain, you're going to lose. And the villain's like, why? It's like, because you don't have conviction. And, I, and I, I, I think that that same statement can be true for Christians. You see, as we talk today, we're going to talk about doing life with people different than us. Opening up our hearts to people who have different backgrounds than us. But if we, if we approach it in a manner of just trying to do good, or that's a nice thing, or it might be like kind, it won't last. It won't last at all. And one of the things I think I could have done better even last week was, was, was speak to you guys out of a place of conviction from, from the text. And so we're going to do that this week because we want the Lord's word to be what motivates you every day. Because that's the only way we'll be able to have endurance, family. So as we go into this text, I also wanted to share with you guys that, that this whole series that we're, that we're going through, Christ, engaging culture, engaging community, how do we do it? It's messy. How do we work it out? I'll share with you guys. I've been blessed to be one of the tools, as Nate was one of the tools, but the vision for it all truly came from our head pastor, Eric Russ. Like, like, like I, I have... And, and we've been blessed in my time with him and with Nielsen's time, like, to be challenged in some ways in our personal lives. So you guys are getting the fruit of that from the front. But I just want you guys to know, um, truthfully, that he's laboring for you 
behind the scenes. You know, that, that, that time of fasting, I think, has given great fruit to this body. And some of that fruit are these discussions. And so when, when you don't see him up here, he's not taking a break, uh, you know, on vacation kicking it, though he probably needs to. <laughs> but truly, he's laboring in the backgrounds for us. And, and, and I'm just saying it because rarely do we do... I toot the horn of people who serve passionately. I'm going to do it for y'all, but I'm going to do it for my teammates too. Amen? Amen. So family, Luke 14, 12 through 14. Um, hold on, let me just get this out because I'm, I'm like on the board of, borderline of tears because like I met with Carla uh, for a few weeks, met with Billy for a few weeks, and I remember when she was just struggling with what to do for her son, like really struggling, saying, like, I want this man to know his kid, but I'm, I feel like I'm not being a, a, a good steward of the life that the Lord has given me if I continue to place him in this man's care. So today to hear her, to, to see, like, we don't know what could have happened. But I'm just rejoicing that she took a stand for the Lord when everybody said it was, um, it was, it was all of Billy's family, ostracized, or even her own family were saying things, but she was taking a stand for the Lord. So, ah, I'm just rejoicing that she did that. And, and before I'm talking about something else and I just break down into tears, I just needed to share. All right. Praise the Lord. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back. And so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, what's happening here, friends? We've got Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, this group of like super saints, this group of people who think that through their works, they can achieve righteousness. We all know that's false. The only way that you achieve righteousness is through the grace of Jesus Christ. You can't do it through works. But they didn't get that. That was their hang up. And so through works, they're trying to prove that they are the best in the land. And so what Jesus is starting to speak to here, he's saying, hey, you're going to host things. You're going to be hospitable. You're going to welcome people into your family. Being a host in that day and era, it was more than just, hey, let's get some grub together. It was like, it was like, it was like a golf course today. It was where exchanges of money took place, business transactions, discussing marriage, Anything that was truly like near and dear to the family structure happened over the meal. And so you coming into my house to do life with me, you are now an extension of my kin. You are now welcomed into the family. But what he does here is he says, hey, because you are doing this, because you are welcoming people into your home, like it's, you are a host. That's what hosts do. Don't simply invite your friends. And, and he goes on, not simply to say your friends, he goes on to define who the friends are. Now, if we didn't have the rest of the Bible, we'd be tempted to say, Jesus is saying, hey, you shouldn't have anyone that you're, that you're close with come to, come to any of your banquets. If we didn't have the whole text, we'd be tempted to say just from this that brothers and sisters are bad. Relatives are bad. Rich neighbors are bad. But, but we know even his disciple Matthew, we, we see in a number of different verses, but we know Matthew. He says, Matthew, hey, come follow me. Cool. Snapshot. Next snapshot you get is Jesus eating with Matthew and a bunch of tax collectors. Why? Because Jesus isn't saying, hey, as soon as you come to know me, like, run from your present family. 
Don't don't. It's not that you ignore your family for the poor. He's not he's not even against economic structures. He's not against you doing life at the table, you exchanging, you having people come and 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 you developing um, businesses, you developing um, marriage agreements. He's Jesus isn't against all of that. What Jesus is against is the exclusion of the poor. You see what what where, where he moves to is so at the end of twelve you do these things so that they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. So now this economy, now this structure, now the way that you do life to give and to get, to give and to get, to give and to get, it benefits you. It benefits all of the people that are your friends. So the real question for the Pharisees is not simply do you engage in in hospitable means? Do you interact with people? The question is, Pharisees, who are your friends? Who are, who are the people that get to delight in this, in, in, in this hospitality that you extend? Who are your friends? And, I, and I, I, I pause there because I think that's a good question that we have to ask ourselves. I was blessed to, to talk with a couple brothers before preaching this, and they said, um, both brothers were like, man, I define friends in a number of ways, like, associates, then close friends, then like extremely intimate. And at first I was like, no, just extremely intimate people are friends. But honestly, when I went and looked up some definitions, friends are defined in a lot of different ways. And that's cool. Jesus isn't saying, what's your definition of friends? He's saying, in your definition, whatever your definition would be, who would be comprised of your invitation list? You hosting a banquet? Who gets invited? Please. Please. Oh, wait. Is it our concern about the people that were destroying their motivation to provide for themselves? Or is it our concern for the people who would be freeloaders to just be blunt? Is it our concern for the people who would be freeloaders? And it would destroy their motivation to say, hey, I can get a meal here, I can get a meal there, I can get a meal there. I don't need to work. I don't have to work hard. That's a great question. So just, just from our people that are... Um, said, would that destroy their motivation? They say, hey, I can get a meal here, get a meal there, get a meal there. I want to say that that is a, that's a, we get to that question when we get to results. You know, if a person can have the opportunity to freeload off of each of us, that means they've been made aware of dinners at each of our homes. You see, the question Jesus is saying is, would you even allow that person to be a friend to have an invitation to even know that you got food cooking on the stove? No. From, from, the, from the Pharisee standpoint, no. Because the Pharisees saw people that were crippled, lame, blind, as the last ones to enter into the kingdom. To be honest, if I did life with them, they disqualify me from entering the kingdom. A, a hindrance, a hurdle to righteousness. And so, and so, why are we spending some time here today as we, as we back up? We're spending time here because, because we need to be wrestling with what does it mean to befriend someone? What does it look like to truly do life with someone? And last week we talked about our filters being unhealthy and those things hindering us. But this week we're going to focus on how we can do life. Not out of hindrances, but out of joy and delight. 
you will be blessed. You know, that, that and he, he's, he's saying, hey, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. But earlier in the, in the book, in, in um, actually it's Luke 4, 18 through 19. That's a typo there. It's not 14. It's Luke 4, 18 through 19. He comes and he says in the synagogue to the same Pharisees, hey, the Lord, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Why is he saying this? Because they're supposed to get, oh, you know what? We've been waiting for a Messiah who would do this at some point. He's in the synagogue speaking to Pharisees. So it should have set off a marker for them. But it's, 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 it's a beautiful example of God touching all people. Because not only does it, it is supposed to spark a revolution within the people of Israel, it's a great message for the poor. To hear, wow, he is here. He's healing. He's, in, he's, he's caring for us. But in, in, in Luke 6, he gives us a good example of, 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 of why they're getting it wrong. In 636, it says, be merciful, just as your father is merciful. So you're not, you're not doing this to get blessed. You're not doing this to get repaid. You see, Pharisees, you're, you're supposed to do this because it's the right thing to do. Because you have experienced the mercy of the Lord, and so you go and extend that same mercy. That's, that, that is what makes you blessed. You being a merciful extension of the hand of God. You don't do it to get blessed, and you definitely don't do it to get repaid. But last week, I think, I think, um, I think that last week some of the talk left, left us a, missing some of the point. Because I heard some people like, hey, man, that was, that was good. You know, I, I think that's probably... That's, that's like one of the main reasons why we don't have enough, you know, um, black people here or enough poor people here was because some of that heart stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, if 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 we think in that mindset, what it does is it moves us to results based ministry. Because 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 the danger is is thinking that if a method is done correctly, it'll produce these results. But that's the same thing that the Pharisees struggled with. That's the same righteousness that they found their own self-gratification in. If we do it the right way, it will produce this. You, you, you see the danger in that and how quickly we can become Pharisees, wrestle with the same issue? What I want to say is the results won't matter. Because right here, you could have an invitation list that have both people and all the poor people reject you and say, no, nope, we cool. We don't want to come to your banquet. Is, is it the methods fault then? No. What, what, what Jesus wants us to do is realize that we are supposed to be friending, doing life with people. But ultimately, still, the response to their hearts is up to him. It's up to him. And you've got to ask the question, so, so, Leon, what is doing life? Like, like and this is, the, this is the area that we're really excited to be talking about when we even have our retreat. Because you notice here, it doesn't say, like, it doesn't say, um, you know, when you host in the synagogue. Or when you host, you know, at your ministry. Or even when you host at Mac Ave. See, this is, this is a, an example of hosting as a part of your lifestyle. 
And so I'm willing to say that if we all would be willing to do this better, MacAv changes because MacAv is the church, the body of Christ. It's not the leadership staff doing it. It sure isn't your discipler doing it for you. It's each of us saying, wait, I don't know what's going on in outreach, but there's four people on my block and two of them are maybe the least of these, all four getting invited because I, I connect with all four, not just the two that are more prone to come. You know what I'm saying? And that changes everything. Everything. We, we've had people here that come in our, coming to a Sunday service. And we'll say, how did, how did we meet you? How'd you hear about us? Well, a year and a half ago, y'all connected with my cousin with some fruit or something. She told me about it, and I thought, man, I might come. And then I just decided today to come. Like, like, like doing life with people doesn't always bring forth an immediate result. That's okay. <laughs> That's quite all right. Because we're not in it to be repaid. We're in it because we are, have experienced the mercy of God. And now we want to extend that same mercy. And so we talked last week about missional living. And when you want to connect with someone for a missional purpose, who's that list? And we talked about delighting in friendship. And you want to connect with someone just to hang out and kick it, who's that list? And if those lists are totally isolated, now I'm not saying that, that people aren't in different places on the list and you started off missionally and that person's working towards being a friend. Of the, I'm just saying there's got to be some overlap at some point. Got to be some overlap at some point. And, and, And so the essence, the, our hope is that the fusion of these two al allows you to be consistent at being gospel-centered. Like you don't, you don't have to, we don't have to adapt. And now I kick it with the homies when I'm being a friend, but then I'm like, Luke 22, when I'm being missional. You know, it's like, no, this is who I am in my rhythm. I'm going to be the same with both people. And I'm learning how to do this better, y'all. I'm just being honest. I'm learning how to do this better. But the mission isn't designed, defined by a person's issues. Because if so, how many of us are going to keep signing up for really crazy folk? But, but, when you're, but when your friend, a person who you delight in, also has issues, it's like we're doing life together. Doesn't make it easier. But in doing life, there's some joys and there's some struggles. We care for people, not projects, and believe that every person has something to offer. There's um, one of the people that I think uh, embodies befriending people well, and maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so hold on. We've allowed filters that were not godly to affect how we do life here in the community. That was last week what we talked about. But this week, I, I, I don't want us to, to look at the negative. God bless you. I don't want us to look at the negative and not to hinder us. Because that, that was one component. The potential of a negative filter having you cancel out a person before you even give them a chance. But, but, but the danger could be swinging to the other side and saying, okay, Leon, were you saying I'm supposed to go connect with everybody? I'm supposed to give everybody a chance? Then in that case, I'm going to just go do life with anyone. And the Bible does not teach that. I am not saying that. That is unwise. What we are called to be is a discerning people. And I'm going to go to a verse that in our discipleship time, uh, E. Russ had brought up. And I kept trying to stay away from it because I didn't want to copy off of them. But I'm copying, dog. All right. <laughs> and he says in Matthew 10, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. 
You, you see, a few chapters earlier, he's telling them, hey, I gave y'all the task of watching the sheep. I want you guys to watch sheep. The sheep are mine. I want you guys to watch them. But then here he flips it and says, now you guys are going to be the sheep. The targets, if you will. Easily marked. And he says, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes. And so I'm looking at what the scholars say. I'm looking at different, different texts. You know, I even called up a snake charmer. No, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> but people were, the, the consensus is that serpents defend themselves and shift for their own safety. Notice, I'm not saying shift for their own comfort. But what's being spoken here is, is a wisdom to protect yourself for the endurance of the kingdom. So if a dude is coming out and he's shooting in the air, it might not be wise for you to go over with a track like, hey, buddy, um, you see this gap between the cross? Like, I'm just saying, like, like, like we're called to be discerning individuals, people who not for the sake of comfort will be courageous, but in our courage won't do things that are foolish that could hinder the advancement of the gospel. But also innocent as doves. Doves are harmless, pure, not quick to harm others and offend. So what is, what is said about your name? Are you also a person who in the community, when people see you, they're like, oh, man, that's a Leon. That dude will tell you off in a minute. Don't say nothing. Here he comes. Walk the other way, dog. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like be wise and not enter into Enter into evil, enter into, you know, foolishness, but at the same time, be a person of integrity, a person of character, a person that, that, that is known for the Christ-like character that he's instilled in you. And so what does that look like, Leon? You keep talking about all this stuff from a, from a, from a big, high, you know, area. Give me that plain and simple. I got one example. And it's, and it's my boy, my boy E. Nielsen. I've kicked it with E. Nielsen a number of times. Y'all can't even know I'm using this example. And, uh, and we'll be out and we'll be talking with people. And someone will say something that's total slang. And he'll be like, man, you know, what we're going to do is go over here to the whoop diddy whoop swing back over to the house, bust it out, and then make it happen. And Erica looked like... <laughs> Man, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Could you say that again for me? And, and, and what, I'm, what I'm getting to, what I'm getting to is, is that he's just, he's just real in his skin, and he's going to give you who he is, and you might be offended by it. You might be mad that he didn't understand your slang. But guess what? He's not going to fake it and act like he's cool just so you might feel comfortable. You know, he's, he's, he's like, this, this is who I am. I'm from Whitehall, bruh. Like, Whitehall, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? But, 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 but I think that's where, I think that's where the true rub in friending someone comes. Because, I'm, I'm going to go back to that. I got a little ahead of myself. But, come on, help me out, Neil. How do we engage a person for friendship? Let's, let's not talk about culture. Let's not talk about poor, rich. And this time, I really want y'all to give me an answer. If there's a person that you want to become your friend, how do you engage them? Brother Matthew. Find out what their interests are. Okay. Matthew says, find out what your interests are. Okay. Interest. Came on. Get to know him. Wisdom of a child. So you like spending time with them, Kenny Mo? Yeah. 
Yeah, y'all gonna talk about my handwriting later. Making time. Making time. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that with spending. Mm-hmm. Making time for the individual, family. When you go by somebody, instead of saying just hi mm-hmm. so that they speak to you, say, how's your day today? Or say, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? So you go by someone and engage them with a little bit more conversation. Show concern. Ask this question. What's the difference between, uh, man, the difference between cultures can be a major deterrent to the engagement of friendships? Why is that? Why, why, why can it be difficult for a person in the suburbs and a person in the inner city to develop friendship? Betty? So you say that the blood family is a network of of uh, connections. Compared to the suburbs. Okay. 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 I think because we were raised that way. If you're raised in the suburbs, you know, you're going to look different at people because of where you were brought up. And if you were raised in, in the streets or whatever, you're going to get people in the suburbs different because of the way that we were raised in the tomb. No one ever got together to say that we were the same people. So you said raised in different areas. So... So the stereotypes prevailed over true experience of one another. So we'll put. Stereotypes over experience, okay. Ah. Now. So it's not just the stereotypes, it's the negative stereotypes that hinder it too. Okay? Jeremy? trying to save some stuff to the end. So I think that I think that what you guys are hitting on is, is, is really key. But honestly, I, I think that that so let's say two people from the suburbs get together. You don't know anyone any different than you getting together with someone from the hood. You only realize that as you begin to talk. Like, if I could be honest, we have some some people from the suburbs who've experienced far worse parental experiences in their upbringing, and we have some people from the hood. But you don't know that until we begin to talk. You see, I think I think the cultural component here, I think those stereotypes are so so damaging for us that it it it. I was talking to a brother, one of the one of the kindest brothers I've ever met. And he said he had met someone. And when he was sitting there with the, with the other guy, he felt like he couldn't engage the person because he was worried if his upbringing would make the other guy feel bad. As if, man, like you don't have, and I have, I have been raised with this, with this great, you know, experience of a family, good schools, the whole nine. And I thought, man, like, do you see how his voice was crippled before the conversation even got started? 
Well, see, I don't think it's scared to find out that we might have things in common. I'd love for you guys to share. But I do think we are fearful. We're fearful that we're not going to get it right. That we might say the wrong thing. That we might be perceived as racist. That we might be perceived as not knowing what's in the suburbs. That we might be too this, too that. And I want to, oh man, where my thing at? Awkward moments. Coming into this world was scary. It was different. It was almost, it was almost scary to find out we had things in common. Mm. I had never took the time to find out. Mm. Amen. I, I'm. It's funny because over this past week, like I've talked with a number of you guys, and each person said something similar to the fact of, like, I, I just don't want an awkward moment. If, if I'm going to truly begin to befriend someone, like, the fear of saying the wrong thing and then being like, uh-oh, what do they think of me now? Like, that is overwhelmingly difficult, Leon. And so I'd rather let outreach be the facilitator. I'd rather let small group be the facilitator. But doing it at my table, <laughs> at, at my table, and... And you host me and the two of us work this thing out and get deeper. That is scary. And, and what I want to say to every person in the room is that you will make mistakes. It, I guarantee you. I'm, I'm telling you because a black person and a black person going to make mistakes. Suburban and suburban are going to make mistakes. You can be guaranteed that the cultural difference is at some point we're going to step on each other's toes. But that's what happens in friendships. And, it's, and, and, and we take a risk in any friendship. Any friendship. So, so what am I trying to say, Leon? We, I'm trying to say we already befriend. Look at it from the Christ-centered perspective of are we befriending and including or are we befriending and excluding? If we are including, then you've got to be willing to take risks. And that, that's where the heart is. That we can't have a, a there's not going to be a manual for you, like the, the six easy steps of doing life with people. Now, when you publish it, let me know because it, it just gets messy. But that's part of building friendships. And the lie is that if I'm doing it right, there won't be awkward moments. Because sooner or later, I think if you are gospel-centered, no matter what type of approach you're coming with, you're going to say something about Jesus that's going to make the situation a little awkward. I thought we was raking the leaves. What do you mean you're asking me about was I raised in church? What? And we're going to learn one another. You know, when I'm, I'll be honest, when I first began to do life with whites, white people enjoy... No, that, that sounds real bad. <laughs> that sounds real bad. Look, no, but, but what I'm going to say is that my experience with whites was that they engaged through questioning. So I walk in the room, I start kicking it. Where are you from? What's your mama name? What's your mama do for a living? What, how much money did your mama make? It was like 50 questions. I'm like, I, I, I have never had this much direct attention in my life, you know? But, but, folks from the hood, y'all know how we can get. Somebody asks you a question. Yup. So, so, you know, you've been here for a while, living in this community? Mm-hmm. Man, like, I see you guys have been in a relationship for a long time. How'd you guys meet at the club? Like, I know, I know you're coming to church. What's the Lord doing in your life? He's working. 
I'm just saying, we all got these cultural components, and let's be, let's be willing to step on each other's toes to work it out. And, 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 and do life with enough people in the community, you'll, you'll see both of those extremes. You really will. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I had to learn that they're not scrutinizing me because I'm black. They want to get to know me. And I had to learn, man, he's not brushing you off because he gives one-word answers. He hasn't been taught how to be vulnerable. And, that's, and that, that answer wasn't enough. And so through doing life, he was, I was shown that. <laughs> and it's messy. And it's messy. But we got to be willing to go there. So family, I, I want to bring us back. Because uh, you ask, hey, Leon, like, so I'm saying you don't need to relate to befriend someone. You don't need to relate based on coolness, based on character. Chanel? No, good. Mm -hmm. mm, that's good. That's good. She said, she said that he wasn't taught not to be vulnerable was one of the examples I gave. But most black people are actually taught not to be vulnerable. Like taught, don't do that. Don't open up your heart for the, because you'll get taken advantage of, you know. And so that, that, that's good insight into the, into the community that we exist in. And I hope that that gives you excitement, gives us all excitement as we do life with one another and know that there's endurance. Like there has to be, that we have to be willing to connect with people over a longer pan, span of time because we're oftentimes creating a new environment. So that's good, sis. Yeah. Mm, that's good. And so there's a lot of purpose in these relationships. And so, like. So, Kara's question was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kara's question was hey, you know, um, how much time do you put in with a with a relationship when sometimes it doesn't go deeper or, you know, or your desire to see others grow in Christ may take your attention away from that relationship. Is that, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. 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 I think, I think what you're sharing isn't really how long what you're sharing is what is the risk? And the risk is that you can befriend someone, they can hurt you. That's, that's part of being a friend. How much time might it take? It might take some six months. It might take some five years. But in, a, in an extremely healthy and predictable relationship, do we put time allocations on that? Not at all. Not at all. And I think partly it's because of what we get out of it. And so I'm, I'm asking that we would be willing to reshift and say, Lord, like, and, and be honest in that relationship. Been kicking it with you for a year. I love you to death. But you won't go deeper. When, when I ask you point blank questions, you keep it shallow. So for me, in the relationships that I exist in, where I pour into, I've got to start having that. Let me know where you are. If you can't go there, I'm sorry, it's going to be tough for me to really be a good friend to you. It forces us to be consistent. It really does. I think the relational piece, though, like that we need to relate. Um, I think we need to, 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 to dismiss that lie that there's like human relatable characteristics that we need to have in order to be able to befriend someone. What we do need to recognize, though, is that the gospel allows us to relate to anyone. Anyone. Because there was a time when I was in sin, so brother, I can be patient with you. 
Took me five years before I got it. I'm only in year two at this thing with you. It's okay. Not making excuses for anyone, but knowing that, man, okay, okay, I was a slave to sin. Now I'm a slave to righteousness. Great, Lord. I'm just praying for this brother to be a slave to righteousness someday. In the meantime, we're going to do life together, you know? In the meantime, I'm not going to compromise what I'm about, compromise who I am, but I can still love him being because he's valued and still created in the image of God. So these are just verses that remind us that, man, like, the Lord is the one, the gospel is the one that allows us to connect with any person, any person. So you don't need to relate to be a friend, to befriend someone. Doing life looks like a norm of including all. Including all. Nene, how y'all doing? Y'all, when, when you're at school, is it the person that has to dress the nicest that gets to be your friend? Workers in, in your environments. Tim, what, what does it look like in our different flow to say, I'm going to include all? And, and you got to wrestle with, if you don't include people, you've got to wrestle with why. Because at some point, at some point, after at least this series talk, in a year you should be able to look at your invitation list and it should look a little different. It should look a little different. We all need to have a willingness to engage and build a foundation for depths and friendship, which I would say we're already willing to do that with people who are similar to ourselves. Let us be willing to do it with people who are totally different. A trust that Christ will guide us, that the discernment that we need to make tough decisions, the Lord will give us. That he will allow us to say, no, you know what, I do want to befriend you, but your craziness will put my family in harm's way. I'm okay. And the Lord is okay. (laughs) We're not going to be Christian doormats, family. We're going to be courageous people for the sake of the gospel. And then let the gospel give you courage while being what relates us all. Let the reality of the gospel, someone else having the opportunity to experience Christ, push you to say, I'm not just going to be your friend that's a cool hangout buddy. I'm going to also allow Christ to be present here. But it reminds us that we can relate to anyone because of what he's pulled us from and placed us into. Easy? Totally. That's great, bro. That's great. Yeah. What he was saying was that there is an intimacy that happens within the church that is different than the intimacy or than the relationships we have with the world. It is it is very different because for some of you guys, you you're you're you are greater members of my family than my blood family. Because of the cross. Because of the character, because of your fight to live out the gospel. And so for me to say that, and so what I want you to make sure you hear is that there should be great intimacy among us in this body. Deep friendships and relationships present here. Deep intimacy. Because Christ calls us to be that. He calls us to be the body. He calls us to care for one another, to love one another, to be willing to hold each other accountable, rebuke, celebrate, and encourage. And a brother that's an unbeliever can't do that for me because he's not looking through a Christ-centered grid. Only you can. 
So I need you. You need one another. We need each other. For sure. But but with that, as we are called to do life and engage with people in this community, we can be prone to even choose the people who we do life with that are not believers to be people who can give back in some form. And so let us watch of that danger and say, man, I'm not just going to hang out with the cool unbeliever. I'm going to hang out with the uncool unbeliever, too. Because I won't let any of these filters, I won't let any of these these components hinder me being gospel-centered to all. Three. Amen. So Jesus is saying that we can learn from one another. There, there are going to be awkward moments, but you can possibly avoid some of them if you ask someone else, hey, is this the wisest thing to do? You know, I got, you know, Patty from next door coming over with her four kids. Should I make alfalfa sprout burgers? <laughs> I don't know. Some homies eat ribs. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I think there's great wisdom there, you know? And 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 being and if and if anyone knows your heart, it's the body of Christ. So calling up and saying, Hey, this is gonna sound stupid, but I gotta ask you this question. And that's okay. So family, will will, will you guys pray with me now as we begin to, yeah, will you guys pray with me now? And as the tithe guys get ready...